0: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. In this episode, we're going to review the Browns game. Tom McLeavy is going to stop by for another McLeavy minute. And Sands is going to come by for his opinions on the game as well. Todd Pennington with Columbus-based Revolution Mortgage is the proud sponsor of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. If you're looking to refinance into a very competitive low rate or cash out for debt consolidation or home improvements, now's the time with historically low rates. Contact Todd Pennington at 614-390-9520 or visit revolutionmortgage.com slash tpennington for more info. Revolution Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 168-6046.
0: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Game 2 Review Cleveland Browns, 35 Cincinnati Bengals, 30
1: One stop. One stop is all we needed on that last drive to turn this game around. When you know a team is running the ball and you can't stop them, there's no worse feeling in the world on a football field. We got destroyed in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. So that's something that we're going to need to take a long, hard look at and figure out how to fix, or else we're going to be in trouble this year. And unfortunately, Joe Burrow is not going to make it through a full season if he keeps taking hits like this. So there were definitely some good things to build on in this game, and some bad things that are going to need to be improved, which I'm going to go into in a little bit. First, I wanted to address the injuries. We came out of the game pretty unscathed, although A.J. looked like something happened on that first play. And, I I mean, I love A.J. Green. I just hope this isn't a recurring theme. You know, every time he runs a deep ball or has to dive or something crazy that he's going to get banged up. I'm crossing my fingers that that's not going to be the norm. And C.J. Uzama, tough break. He was having a really good game. You know, he he was finding his niche as a receiver in Burrow's system. You could tell that Burrow was going to keep finding him this year. And a very unfortunate injury. I mean, an Achilles is so tough. And truthfully, very tough to be 100% after that happens. So I'm really, really hoping for you, CG. I think you're a great player. You're a leader on this team. Just get yourself back to normal. And, you know, I'm wishing you the best, my friend. So before we go into individual performances that were good and bad, let's talk about some things that were good in general in the game. Coach Taylor was mixing up the personnel very well in this game. You saw a bunch of different receivers coming in, a bunch of different combinations, a bunch of different formations, a three tight end formation on the one touchdown. Joe Burrow was spreading the ball around like the point guard that everyone said he was. It was great to see everyone participate and get catches and some action. We had some long drives Drives unlike we've seen in the past few years. I mean, what, a 14-play drive? I think one drive was like 17 plays. We had another drive or two that were double digits. So it's nice to see us moving the ball like that. It's hard to sustain long drives like that. You need to be, like, consistently successful on all these plays. You know, whether they're small yardage plays or big yardage plays, you need a lot more wins than losses on the individual plays to have long drives like that. So that shows offensively, despite the offensive line, We were winning a lot of those plays. We scored lots of points. 30 points is a lot of points to score. A lot more than we were doing last year and the the year before. So it's nice to see, even in a game where we're kind of getting whooped, we're just putting points on the board right and left. And again, that's a credit to Burrow. I like the use of the no huddle. We used it at the proper times in this game. Kept the Browns off balance. It seemed like it was working every time. So another clever, creative thing that's a positive for us. And I think we can bring that out on some teams coming up, and it's going to be successful there as well. So another good thing. All right, now let's go to some individual player performances. Obviously, the MVP of this game was Joe Burrow. He was flat out amazing. This guy is going to be what we thought he was going to be, and I'm so happy that we have that. If you analyze some of the individual throws that he made in the game, he made a throw early to Joe Mixon on a little slant over the middle, which was just an amazing play. It was a great spiral, great velocity. He led the receiver. He threw into a fairly tight window. He gave the receiver an opportunity to run after the catch. Those are the things that make an elite quarterback in good throws. It's not just hitting your targets, but it's hitting them in a spot where they can do something after the catch. And it's hitting them in a spot where defenders aren't going to be all over the ball as well. So he, he snuck it in a few tight windows. The touchdown to Uzama, another tight window. There was two guys right there. He had the back shoulder. If he, if he led him, the safety, I believe it was a safety, was going to definitely get a piece of that ball. So perfect ball placement. I'm going to say it again. Perfect ball placement by Joe Burrow. Pretty much all game. The throw to Higgins on that rollout, excellent. And he's doing it without a running game and an offensive line. I mean, Joe Mixon's going to have a good year if the offensive line can get going. But I mean, he threw 61 times. Everyone in the house knew he was dropping back on almost every play and throwing. And he was still very successful. And truthfully, let's not talk about yards per attempt. I know when you look at the stat sheet and the critics are going to be like, oh, he's a dink and dunk, dink and dunk. No, he was running for his life that game. There was no time to sit back there or take a seven-step drop and go deep. Very few plays did he have more than a second or two to get rid of that ball so that's why his yards per attempt is going to be a little bit down and on paper it's not going to look good but you saw the game he was getting that ball everywhere to anyone at any time that he wanted to so very happy with him in this game so a few things too you know Joe Burrow is a rookie it's hard to throw 61 times in a game and a couple rookie things happened there was the one snap that he was trying to call a timeout on You know, you want to kind of blame Hopkins. Why did you snap it? You want to kind of blame the refs. Hey, he called timeout. But truthfully, he called timeout just a little bit late. Even if he got it off in time, it was just a little late to make that call. There was like one second on the play clock. So that's probably why Hopkins had to snap the ball. Hopkins had it in his head. He didn't realize that Joe was going to call a timeout there. Rough break and a very big turning point in the game. Because at that point, we were over the 40-yard line. We were going score for score with them, and it was our turn to go on top with a score. And what happened... That killed that drive, it set us back 20 yards in field position, and then it tipped the scales where now the Browns were having the lead score, and then we ended up chasing them for the rest of the game. So very costly play there, but those things happen. And the only other thing I noticed, and this is a real fine-tuning point of the game, but I I almost see Joe Burrow telegraphing some of the runs. When I watch games, I I do a lot of analyzing of the pre-snap look, and you know I try to predict what plays the teams are going to run. And there were quite a few times where I just saw by Joe Burrow's leg position and the way he was leaning that he was pulling back for a handoff. And truthfully, I was right on a lot of those. So I'm hoping that the defensive coordinators around the league don't start seeing those tells and jumping on it. I don't know if that's what was going on with the Browns. I think they were just beating us to death on the offensive line, defensive front. But truthfully, I did see some telegraphing of runs. So hopefully our coaching staff catches that and corrects it. And hopefully other staffs don't exploit it. And the other thing about Joe is he's such a warrior. He wants to just get in there and get dirty and fight and get hit and hit and throw and score. He has to be a little more careful. These aren't college and high school guys. These are guys that can really hurt you. And he took some massive hits. You know, the one hit that he took on that stunt, it wasn't Garrett, it was the other guy, the defensive tackle that hit him. I mean, that's a perfect play to break your collarbone on. So I'm kind of glad that he's tough enough and none of the bad breaks went and he got injured. But what I noticed about... Joe Burrow's stature, he has long legs, and his legs are a little bit thin, and what's going on is he's getting wrapped up, and he's fighting for his life to not go down because he's such a warrior, and I respect that so much, but the problem is, you what you saw in that game, his legs were getting bent in awkward positions multiple times, so he's got, you know, a 280 pounder hanging on his upper body, dragging him down, and he's trying to stay up with his legs, I just, I, I don't like the look of that. You know, he's he's ripe for a knee injury or even, you know, like a a broken bone in his leg if, if if those kind of plays keep up. It's almost like when they got you wrapped like that, Joe, just go down. You know, I think those were the plays that were more dangerous than the big hits because you just—I saw his, his leg get really twisted on one where I was like, is he hurt? And, of course not. He's flexible, he's young, and he does, he has the mindset where he refuses to get hurt, but he's got to be careful out there because that was another thing that I saw— That just gave me this eerie foreshadowing of the future so crossing my fingers let's try to get everything fixed Joe don't be so heroic when you're getting hit please we need you we need you for this year and we need you for the next 10 years other bright spots in this game special teams continuously doing well Brandon Wilson is the best he was my MVP on the team last year And he's starting off in the same way that he was ending last year before he got hurt. In that game, he had two 40-plus-yard kick returns, hard to do in one game. And then he had the Browns kicker so rattled, he kicks a ball out of bounds later. So we had three kickoffs that we ended up with excellent field position, all because of Brandon Wilson. Good blocking, I agree, but he just has these great moves. He has this this foot shuffle and this quickness and this flat-out straight-ahead speed. He's going to be dangerous this year. Teams are going to avoid kicking to him. So I hope some teams make some mistakes and short kick it by accident because he's going to make them pay. Excellent job, Brandon Wilson. And you got to give credit to Randy Bullock. I mean, there was some hate Randy pages on Instagram. I mean, pretty crazy stuff. You got to give the guy a break. Everyone makes mistakes. But man, he was on his game. I, I, maybe he had the fear of being cut or being a social pariah in Bengal land. But if you looked at those kicks, I mean, they were going down the middle. No no question, every kick. So I'm really happy to see him bounce back. That's a true pro. Remember, last week when he missed a kick, he took on all the questions. He didn't hide from it. That's a pro as well. And to come back this week and be flawless, excellent job, Randy. Glad you're still with us, my man. Tyler Boyd, excellent game. I know he had the drop everyone's going to drop a pass in their life. He made up for it later with a great touchdown in the back of the end zone that very few people can make. And just consistently reliable. You know, when you got third down or even those fourth downs, you know, you look for him on those plays, and he just consistently produces under pressure like that. So I know Tyler's going to be mad at himself for that one drop, but you had an excellent game, man, and you're going to be a total asset to this team for years to come. So no sweat on that, man. All good here. With that said, that brings me back to we were five for five on fourth downs, five for five. Fourth down became like a third down for us. I was just like, we're not even bringing the punter out. We're just we're gonna we're gonna convert this. So I don't, I'd like to see how many games in NFL history featured a team that went five for five on fourth down. That'd be a curious stat to look up. Excellent job there. Excellent job on the play call. Excellent job on the guys feeling the pressure of the moment and performing like Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd and the rest of the cast looks like T Higgins can play again I always say rookies aren't going to light it up at wide receiver the catches that he made and getting open and just his on the field demeanor you could tell that he's going to be a good player for us so that was a bright sign to see in this game Mixon was having a rough day running they were all over him they were in the backfield on pretty much every rush he did show, though, his pass-catching ability and that we need to continue to use him as a weapon in the pass game, and they got away from that a little bit in the second half. He caught a couple passes early, and then in the second half, all the pass plays for the running backs went to Geo. Mixon definitely showed that he's going to be a threat at receiver, and when we go five wides like that, you know, he could be a guy that's in that mix, maybe even motion back into the backfield for a run, you know, a variety of things like that. So that was another encouraging thing was Mixon in the pass game. Drew Sample was another standout. It's nice to see that second rounder is starting to pan out a little bit. Seven catches, 45 yards. I know they were all short catches, but pretty much all the catches in this game were short because there was no time to throw. Made that excellent Odell-type grab on the one play, too. I really wasn't analyzing his blocking during the game, so I can't make a statement on that. But as a receiver, it was nice for Drew Sample to have a breakout game. I think he needed it for his psyche, and I think us Bengal fans needed that to say, hey, this wasn't a wasted pick. Defensively, there weren't a lot of good performances to talk about. Unfortunately, I'll say DJ Reader had another good game. I know they were running like crazy, but he was one of the guys in there that was stout, and they were just running to the sides of him. You didn't see many plays go right at him, so we definitely got a winner in that guy, and he's been one of the bright spots on defense through the first two games. Mackenzie Alexander continues to play well. He led up that early pass play for a first down to the slot receiver. But for the most part, you didn't hear his name much, which means he's covering his guy. He's active on defense. He had the one tackle in the backfield. He's getting dragged a little bit by Chubb, but he brought him down and prevented a big gain on that. So I'm very happy with his performance as well. And then aside from that, there was just some other things that I was kind of happy with. Khalid Kareem showed that he was active. I like that. He's aggressive out there. You see him? Did you see him pop Mayfield after the interception? Not cool to do, but you could see he's aggressive, he's hungry, he's hustling. Truthfully, I saw him in there more than I saw a couple of the other defensive ends, so, you know, I'm hoping that he gets more playing time. I'm excited about him. He was even in on that play where Baker Mayfield was called for the intentional grounding, which was one of the few stops that we had on defense in that drive. So again, he contributed to the game in a couple ways, so excellent job out of him. The goal line stand was great. I mean, the the four downs, I, I... I made notes on what happened on each one. The first one, Von Bell made the hit. The second one, the new guy, Covington, made the tackle. The third one, Phillips had a good coverage on OBJ, which is good. And on the fourth one, Freedom Dune made the stop. I know we were getting run on, so you're going to blame the backup defensive tackles. But I think Covington, Bledsoe, and Akinmolendun didn't play badly for reserve players that barely sniffed the roster and were forced into big roles this game. So you can't give anyone a star on the defensive line for that performance, but at least these three underdog and backup players show that they can give you some productive snaps. William Jackson played decently. It's hard to cover Landry and Beckham. Come on, very few people can do it. He got beat on the double move by Beckham, but he's not the only one in the league that's going to get beat by that guy this year. So I understand it. I'm not holding it against him. He he came back to have a pretty strong game, and he did well with the interception. His guy... I don't know what the guy he was covering was doing. Maybe the guy stayed in the block or something. But he rolled back on a guy that he wasn't covering and grabbed a pick. I think Hooper might have grabbed that for a touchdown. It looked like he was starting to jet open. So William Jackson really saved the game there, truthfully, because it went from being a, a potential Browns scorer to us getting the ball and getting a score and to come within one score at that point. So that play was great on two levels. One, it stopped the Browns from scoring at a crucial time where another score would have just iced the game, and it got us the ball back for a chance for us to score, which I believe that we did. And Darius Phillips played well, too. Yeah, he's going to give up passes. Every corner in the league is going to give up some passes. But I thought they were just going to constantly go after him, and he was holding his own out there, so that's very encouraging. If he can hold his own against that receiving core, he's going to fare well against the next couple teams that are coming up because their receivers aren't nearly as good as the Browns' receivers. All right, on to the bad for this game. It doesn't make me feel good to talk about the bad things. I just need to break down both sides. There's some valuable lessons and info to be learned in the bad, just as well as the good. Offensive line, they were coming from everywhere. You can't say that any offensive lineman had a good game, unfortunately. I mean, I saw people beat Jonah. I saw Hart get beat. I saw Michael Jordan struggle a lot. And he's a guy, you know, you'd like to think that he's improving in his second year, and and. The interior line positions, you don't notice a lot of what's going on there. But when I, I watched the game again, I was i was really focusing on what was going on up there. And Michael Jordan was struggling, I'll be honest with you. Hopkins up and down game, but again, you can't give a badge to anyone because there was no room for Mixon to run. You could see Mixon was getting a little frustrated too, and I do not blame him. You know, it's one thing to run the ball two, three yards and get pounded, but it's another where you can't even get cleanly out of the backfield. And that's, that's that's major. That's a major problem. And that was happening last year in the early parts of the year. And that's why he had so few rushing yards early on. He was constantly getting met in the backfield. Or at least them plugging up the hole that he was intended on going through and him having to improvise on another hole which isn't there. Or you start going side to side like he did on the one goal line play. Just a lot of trouble. Not his fault at all. People see the stat sheet and say, oh, what's going on with Mixon? No, that was all up front. He was hungry. He was running hard, too. So let's hope that we can get that fixed. Fred Johnson, tough. I wanted him to be good. I wanted him to be this underdog lineman that we could start plugging in there, eventual starter. I know that when you look on social media for the last few weeks, everyone is saying, start Fred Johnson, take out Bobby Hart, Fred Johnson, Fred Johnson. And unfortunately, you know, he didn't show that much this game. I'm not, it's not all lost on him. He's a young player. But remember, he's undrafted. He was waived by another team in our division. So we have to temper our expectations on a guy like this. It's not the end of the line for him, but this game was not a good showing. And it's going to probably keep him out of the starting lineup unless there's some significant injuries. Bobby Hart played better than normal, but still not a good game. You know, we, we could not run on the right side at all. So even if Hart didn't get touched for a lot of sacks, unfortunately he wasn't getting any push in the running game. So that's it. I'm not going to keep crashing on the offensive line. We all saw the game. We all saw the tape. We know they had a bad game. We got to get this fixed. As far as the receivers go, it was a tough game for A.J. Green. I I think he was a little banged up on that first play and it affected him for the rest of the game. So I'm not going to buy into the narrative that A.J. Green is getting old and lost a step. He, it's too early for that. And then John Ross, another tough game. I, you know, Joe's spreading the ball around to everyone. I'm just surprised that Ross doesn't get more opportunities or more catches. I was just a little frustrated on the one play where he wasn't even looking when the ball was thrown his way. He, we can't have that anymore. You know, John's had a few mental lapses on field over the first few years of his career. Those are the things that frustrate coaches. You, I don't want to see him on the bench or on the inactive list, but those mental mistakes are going to make you end up there you know coaches can forgive physical errors but if you're making mental errors that's a big problem so John pulling for you man let's get it corrected you can still be a star in this league and while we're on the wide receivers I talked about the good earlier this was supposed to be a review of the bad but I forgot about one guy earlier Mike Thomas I'm so happy for him you know he spent the first few years with the Rams they barely looked his way they just threw him on special teams. And the Bengals saw something in his moves and in his catching ability and his route running, and he's becoming a favorite target of Burrow. Look for him to be very active this year. And what a great touchdown against Denzel Ward. Man. And what I liked is he went to the back of the end zone, and he almost said like this little self-prayer to himself. I was kind of in his head when he was doing it, and I was kind of feeling like he was like, I'm arriving, man. This is what I was meant to do. It just felt like that kind of moment for him. So very happy to see him performing well, and I hope it continues. All right, let's move on to some other areas that weren't the greatest in this game, and it was the linebacking play. Unfortunately, man, we had the first game, and I thought the linebacker position was fixed, and this game made me worry all over again. There was a lot of missed tackles. I'm not going to single out the players for missed tackles, but just as disturbing were guys getting blocked, just simply blocked and taken out of the play blocked by tight ends and fullbacks. You know, when they pull a guard and it's an offensive lineman getting to the second level, I can understand it, but you don't want to see your linebackers getting beat by fullbacks and tight ends. You want to see them be the dominant players and the guys that are bowling through these offensive players. And and the offensive players don't want to go and block this guy because they know they're going to get popped. And we weren't seeing a lot of that this game. So that's a, a reason for concern. I'm not going to crucify anybody for one bad game. It just needs to improve. And then the other area of concern for this game. I don't think it's an area of concern for the future was the play of the safeties. Bates had a coming out game that first game of the year. I was like, wow, we have an an all-pro on our team right now. And he struggled this week in tackling. Those guys are hard to bring down. You see the size of Chubb's legs? I mean, that's not an easy guy to bring down. And, you know, we felt the consequence of that. If you look at the five touchdowns that they scored, on three of them, Jesse Bates missed a tackle. I'm not going to blame the whole touchdown on him because there's other factors that go into it. But he was kind of the last guy on three of those scoring plays that could have made the tackle and didn't but my expectations for him are still very high I'm just pointing out something that happened in this game that was not good and Von Bell another one he had a great first game this game he struggled a little bit uh, he, he got dragged into the end zone on the one goal line thing again it's not all his fault he, I mean he's he's wrapping up a guy that's bigger and stronger than him unfortunately so it would have been nice to have another player at least helping him on that tackle which didn't happen so Von Bell gets the mark as the guy who let up that touchdown and then, in my opinion, the most questionable defensive play of the game. A lot of people are getting on Lou Anarumo for getting outcoached. I don't see that. Lou's not out in the field missing tackles and blowing coverages or getting blown off the line. You can't pin all that on him. The one call I didn't like was on the touchdown right before the half. And as usual, we gave up points right before the half, which kills me and ends up being the difference in every game. First game, we let up that late field goal. What did we lose by? Three points. This game, we let up that seven points right at the end of the half. What did we lose by? It's like those touchdowns at the end of the half are killing us. We really need to find a way to scheme up and stop that. It's not like we're playing prevent. It's just something that happens on the last drive of the first half consistently. Last year, this year, already, you know, that's something that needs to stop. But specifically on this play, it was a weird play because I saw the linebackers crashing in. It was Bynes and Pratt coming in on a blitz. But then they pulled out of the blitz. I think like Pratt like, went in and then pulled out. But by the time he pulled out, it was too late to cover anybody on the second level. And then Bynes came in, and he got met by a blocker, and he pulled out too. So it almost felt like that scheme was them faking a blitz and pulling out. But it's almost like they faked the blitz too well and left that second level open. And Hunt was just wide open on the sideline. You hate to see that happen. And then you see Von Bell coming from the center of your screen as the only guy coming over there, so it looks like he gave up the play. But that was really a, a questionable defensive play call, in my opinion, and not executed well by the linebackers. So I'm not pinning that one on, on Bell. I don't know who was supposed to cover that, that area of the field. It, it's beyond me. I don't know if that was Bell's job to get over and he didn't. I almost feel that wasn't it. Was it Pratt who was supposed to fake the blitz and get back more quickly? I mean, that was a possibility. I've even heard that that was Dunlap's ball that Dunlap was supposed to be dropping back into that area. So I don't know who's to blame for it, but truthfully it wasn't a good defensive call and it came back to haunt us. So that'll do it for this game. Let's put it behind us. You know, if, if we played this game last year, this would have been like a 35-17 to 17 game or even worse. So that's encouraging that in a game where we're getting destroyed in the trenches, we come within one score of winning the game. So definitely something to build off of positively there. I'm not going to keep going on about the negatives and the things we need to fix. One thing I am going to say is, we have our quarterback. So that's all that matters. Whether this season goes down the tubes or not, keep that guy healthy, keep that guy progressing, and we're going to be a Super Bowl team. AFC North Standings. All right, so the Bengals are in fourth place in the AFC North. We have the Ravens in first, the Steelers in second, the Browns in third, and then us in fourth. We're actually two games out of the division lead. It's uh, one and a half games due to the records and another half game because as of now, Baltimore has the tiebreaker on us. So right now, we're two games back. And if you want to think optimistically, we do play the Ravens twice, so technically we could catch them. I know it's very early to be talking about this stuff, but that's the reality. And as far as the wild card chase, I'm not going to go into the details on that because it's way too early. But we are right now the 16th seed in the AFC.
0: McLeavy Minute.
1: All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today?
0: Good, Frank. How you doing, buddy?
1: All right, my man. So what are your thoughts on this Cleveland Browns game?
0: Well, like I said uh, last week, tape means a lot in the NFL and, you know, all major sports, you know, professional baseball with pitchers and the hitters or what they like, but tape means a lot. And the Bengals showed that the glass is half empty. First and foremost, Joe Burrow is the real deal. If he can make it through the season, that offensive line is god-awful. Right now, they... They only have a center and a right tackle. And in right tackle, I mean Jonah Williams. He's playing out of position for a left tackle. He's better suited for right tackle. So um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt saying he's a right tackle. We now know why Fred Johnson didn't replace Bobby Hart in the first game. And now the question is, what's up with Billy Price? You know, he's dealing with a nagging injury, but still, uh, Fred Johnson was was terrible. That holding penalty he had when he was just bull-rushed and was on his back that he grabbed the defensive tackle to stop him from getting the Burrow, landed towards Burrow's, you know, lower leg knee area, and that affected Burrow for at least a quarter and a half. Uh, he wasn't stepping through his throws, uh, short arming him because of I feel that holding low hit towards his knee affected him. Late third, fourth quarter, Joe Burrow kept them in that game single handedly. That first play AJ Green had where he had a die for the ball, it looked like he it really affected him. Uh, the rest of the game. He got up gingerly. So I'm going to, I because he was really hurting after laying out for that pass. Uh, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for being the second game after a long, long layoff and a short week. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for that. Uh, John Ross is officially buried now. T. Higgins played with the first team with receivers in the second half. So you'll see him a lot with Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green. And with Auden Tate voicing his displeasure, the way he's being uh, used, we'll see him more and more in the coming weeks. But I think John Ross is going to be chalked up with, uh, with Billy Price and um, the rest of the number one picks that Duke Tobin has chosen to be pretty much busts the defensive side of the ball really got plastered. The defensive line with Geno Atkins out, with Daniels out, I mean, that's a big blow. DJ Reader, I think, was still hurting. What upset me was the uh, the pass rush. Uh, Carlos Dunlap was invisible. I don't think his name was called one time. When he came into the league... I think he was coached by the same guys that coached Justin Smith in his career at, with the Cincinnati Bengals. How can Justin Smith go from a pure bull rusher and then be let go by the Bengals to go into San Francisco and becoming an all-pro? That is mind-boggling. It just seems he does the same bull rush I'll get my hands up to hopefully knock pass down. The other defensive end, uh Hubbard, I'll give him at least they mentioned his name during the game. The play calling. How you have the ball at the half inch yard line and won't have Burrow just go forward is beyond me. With a terrible offensive line. You you couldn't even couldn't even risk handing the ball off because on the one play you tried And Mixon had to go outside because there was no room inside. How he wasn't allowed just to go a quarterback sneak. Unbelievable. Frank, this team has holes. And I would say the quick way out is to have that number one pick this year because it's a golden ticket. Lawrence, the quarterback from uh, Clemson coming out. If they land that number one pick, they will have boatloads of number one picks to get the thing we just got to pray for that joe burrow does not get injured and can go through a whole season i mean his comments after the game is you know it's football i don't mind getting hit uh you know that's nice to say in uh high school or or college when you have a pretty much a professional offensive line in front of you but not the way he's getting hit now
1: wow tom powerful takes you're not afraid to take on any subject man
0: the glass is half empty we sort of knew that but you know the joe burrow rah rah got us going and you know this guy which is i mean which is true joe burrow can lead this team and i'm gonna say to a super bowl he's that type of quarterback Frank, he's going to get his head handed to him if this team does not do a better job of protecting him. And next year, they've got to draft an offensive lineman that can step right in a left tackle and sign true free agents to upgrade this line. Because if not, Joe Burrow is going to have a short career in the NFL. X's and O's with Sands.
1: All right, we're here with Sands after a tough loss. Sans, how are you today?
2: Uh, doing as well as I can.
1: Yeah, I'm feeling the same way, man. So what are your thoughts on what we saw yesterday?
2: Uh, so offensively, throwing the ball 60-plus times is usually not the game plan coming in, but when you go down early, it happens. Um, and it's not like the run game is really, really churning for us i thought well aj green he looked a little bit uh, last week i already said he's back Uh, this week he didn't look back as much and i'm wondering if that's that first play he uh maybe he knocked the wind out of himself banged his legs up or something just a little thing slowing him down is what i'm hoping for i'm hoping it's not he's older and now it's going to be harder for him to do whatever i mean and there was also that dpi where if he caught that touchdown maybe we'd be feeling better about it thought Uzoma was having the best game of his career, and then he uh, looks like he tore his Achilles, so hopefully he can come back next year strong. 60-plus attempts and 300 yards is a low yards per attempt, and people are going to think, oh, he's just taking the check down. But I think um, when we go empty we're going to need to get the ball out quick because of our offensive line. It's almost a chicken and egg. You're getting the ball out quick because of your offensive line, or you know, is your offensive line forcing the ball out quick? But I think it's by design. And one, one play on the Yuzama touchdown, Joe Burrow's first touchdown, it was great placement. It was against a cover two. I like the play design from Zach on that. I wanted to point that out. its uh, We had an outside receiver, the only receiver, I believe, on the play or um, it wasn't a receiver, it was Mixon, I believe, on the left side, and he runs a little drag slant type thing. And then we had three tight ends on the line of scrimmage, which I've talked about that before, where empty doesn't mean zero personnel. It doesn't mean five wide receivers. So we were running 13 personnel, which is almost like a jumbo look. That's three tight ends and one running back. So our three tight ends all ran down the field, and we had, since there's only two safeties deep, Three tight ends going towards him it's an easy read for burrow he sees uh, the safety st- stay where they are and yuzoma is kind of running more of a he kind of fades out a little bit on his vertical route so he just gets that ball in a great placement great velocity right to Uzoma for a touchdown i really like that play design the bad things that i didn't like was were uh, i did not like that read option call i know read options aren't a terrible thing to do there but it's just when your quarterback's already taking a pounding how about we don't put him in that situation and I didn't like later on that same drive where we just kicked the field goal we're down 15 moving from 15 to 12 it's still a two score game and it was in the second half I understand taking points but getting a touchdown there is the only thing that's really going to change the outcome moving to 12 points doesn't do anything for us I liked all the empty. I know that's going to be a hot topic. It gets everything out wide. It lets Burrow see the field. It makes reads easier. And I think there's more stuff we can do with it than what we did. I, I'd like to see maybe some uh, Mixon or Geo is out wide or both. We'll motion them in like a jet motion. And now we have a run game to go with empty. That isn't just a quarterback draw motion him across get a jet motion jet sweep or even just motion him into the backfield and go from there because we need to have some semblance of a run game from empty as well we can't just be throwing from it
1: interesting point sands i i agree with you on a lot of those play calls um let's move on to the offensive line how are you feeling about how they played i mean i i saw with my own eyes i wasn't crazy about it but i wanted to get your insider's take on you know what you really thought about each guy
2: um, I mostly watch Jonah because that's that's the only guy on our offensive line that I know is going to be a stalwart there for years. He looked, I think everybody's going to remember that sack from Adrian Claiborne, who, I mean, Adrian Claiborne's big, he's strong. That's the only thing he's ever done is bull rush like that. So he came in, he bull rushed, and he got the sack. But other than that, he held his own. And there was that one play, I think it circulated Twitter, so people have seen it, He's blocking Miles Garrett, a top-three edge defender, in my opinion. And then he sees the defensive back blitzing, and I don't think Burrow knew it. And he makes a diving block. He dove and pushed him just enough that he couldn't get Burrow. And he ends up actually tripping Garrett, which no penalty. I don't think there should have been. When he's making a play, he's not trying to trip him. And uh, that let Burrow get out of the pocket and make a play there. So I thought he played pretty well. I mean, he's still basically a rookie. I know he's not a rookie, but he is. He was out all last year. Being that's his second game ever, I thought it was a great job. Uh, Michael Jordan, he looks better than last year, I guess. So I like the improvement. He wasn't really that good, but it's not like he's a huge disaster or anything. He's adequate. I always like to ride the highs of Trey Hopkins, but there's lows, and it happens usually over the course of a game. It's like a roller coaster. He has his great plays. He has his not-so-great plays. He usually struggles against a bull rush. He's not super strong, and I mean, that's okay. Usually your center isn't protecting in the pass game one-on-one, although he is more when we run empty like that with no help. Uh, Fred Johnson probably lost his shot at right tackle. (laughs) That was not good. It wasn't a good day for him. I don't think it was like a zero out of 10 but he looked worse than Bobby Hart over there in my opinion he gave up that they ran a, a stunt there twist with Garrett on the inside and I don't whoever got that big hit on Burrow on the outside I mean people are going to blame Hart and Geo because they're not doing anything on there but the thing is Hart knows it's a stunt so he's waiting for Fred to pass it off but instead Fred, uh, Fred got swiped Garrett just chopped his hands down and was able to get through and get the get the fumble, and then he also took the big hit because Fred was too busy getting beat by Garrett trying to recover that he didn't see that it was a stunt coming the other way. So that play wasn't good. So Fred might have lost his opportunity at right tackle. He looked pretty bad. I wouldn't be surprised if we go to Billy Price, which Duke Manyweather tweeted out. He's like the 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 answer is in the building, meaning Price because he worked with him. And well, I would. Wouldn't mind to see it. I don't know if he's a big answer for us. We've already tried this. It's not like he's going to come in and we're going to think it's the right guard of the future. And Bobby Hart is a replacement-level player, but he didn't play awful. When he got beat, he got beat when Burrow was letting the ball out in a second or a second and a half. So he didn't really give up any big hits or anything. I think there was one play we ran like a play action where burrow tried to do that spin move out of everything and the reason that the defender knew it was a play action is bobby hart he uh took like two steps of an outside zone look and then he just kind of stood there (laughs) so if you're running an outside zone you're not gonna go and then when nobody's there you just kind of stop you're gonna keep going outside or at least look like you're trying to make a block or something
1: so he totally telegraphed that
2: yeah, after the first couple of steps he telegraphed it. So, and Burrow can't obviously make that play where he's trying to spin out of there. It's not college anymore. That's a, I don't want to say the only option is to throw it out of bounds or anything, but that would have been better. I know he wants to make a play, and I want him to make a play, but maybe dial it back 10%. I don't want to say dial it back very much at all because uh, that throw that he made to T. Higgins for T's first ever catch, that was beautiful. And if he's trying to just dial it back, maybe he throws it out of bounds. But instead, he's able to put it on him while running out of bounds. It looked like he was at LSU.
1: Amazing. I agree. Don't dial it back at all, Joe. Just go 100. Especially, you know, if we're going to continue on this pace of losing games, then, you know, just keep getting experience, keep taking some chances, and, you know, he'll develop his niche. I mean, he looked phenomenal, to be honest with you.
2: I thought so, too. That's, he was definitely the best offensive player, I think. And, I mean, Boyd was up there, but he dropped that touchdown. So. And Mike Thomas, I guess. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas, New Orleans, zero touchdowns. Our Mike Thomas has one. So, you know, maybe we've got the better one.
1: They're going to use him, Sands.
2: <sighs> oh, I know. That's, I was surprised Tate was inactive. And I thought, whoa, what is going on here? And then Mike Thomas does that slant route, and he beat Denzel Ward on that play. That's their best cornerback. That's I know. somebody Adrian wasn't really beating that often.
1: No, that's why I, when I saw the highlight of it again, I was like, oh, my God, he beat Ward on that. That just wasn't your average run- of the, run-of-the-mill DB that he beat.
2: Yeah, I thought, like, I saw a touchdown, touchdown Mike Thomas, and I assumed, oh, he must have lined up on a linebacker or something because I'm not – I don't think he's bad, but I wasn't expecting our, our uh, I don't know, fifth – wide receiver to do something like that. And I was like, whoa, that's Denzel Ward right there.
1: So Sands, let's move on to defense. What was going on? How were they able to run on us so much?
2: I'm not going to disparage players too much, but they basically ran what looked like a power play most of those big runs. And that's when you're going to get a double team on a defensive tackle. Shock, they're going to run this against us with two defensive tackles out but they're going to get double team on defensive tackle kick him out they're going to seal the end which was I don't think either of our edge players had any of our edge players had a good game they'd get sealed off by the tackle and then a guard's going to pull which he's just going to basically run to the other side and then up through and he's going to block a linebacker and nobody was taking that on uh there's a play where logan wilson literally got lifted off of his feet by the pulling guard to be honest i'd rather have him go low and take himself out of the play than get driven 10 yards like that because at least he's he's taking it head on and that same play jesse bates comes sprinting down and takes on the uh, they're pulling a tight end through as well and he knocks austin hooper and he doesn't make the play but that's what you want to see you want to see your your defense want to take that on you want to see them come right at him and well, he got he got driven out, and well, I think Jesse Bates is a great player. He missed way too many tackles. I don't know what happened there.
1: So let's move back to that. So you're saying they ran that power move with the pulling guard, and what what other philosophies were they stacking on top of that to be so successful?
2: Well, you had uh, Baker Mayfield remembered that when he rolls out, he can flip his hips and throw deep, which is something he hasn't done in a while, and that was uh, that was one of the big touchdowns. William Jackson saved his day with an interception, but Odell hit him with an out and up, and he was from the split Odell was in, he was beyond the numbers outside. He's not running an out route. And if he is, he's getting a two-yard gain and has to make a heck of a catch to do it. So don't bite on that. Let him make that little play. But he bit on it, and Odell beat him deep. That's why, I mean, Odell's a great route runner. He's, I think he's still one of the most talented wide receivers in the league, even if he hasn't shown it too much. Phillips was fine. He gave up a few catches, but nothing major. They got Baker rolling on that play action, and I know some people argue that the run game doesn't matter too much for play action, but I think when you're running like the Browns were running last night, it matters. You're trying to sell out to stop it because you're getting blown off the ball. I don't know hopefully it looks better when we get some defensive tackles in there and I just want to say we are officially not a 4-3 team at all we were running a 3-4 with three interior defensive line and defensive tackle types you would think if we still thought about the 4-3 which is two defensive tackles and an extra linebacker we might run that but you we were still trying to come out there in that 3-4-5-2 look and I know we put Dunlap and Hubbard inside sometimes but we had a few few guys that there were third fourth string defensive tackles coming in just so we could stay in that base look
1: Sands amazing takes as always let's hope for some better luck next week
2: if Lane Johnson's out for Philly their offensive line shouldn't look as good as uh, what Cleveland was able to do to us so and hopefully we get Daniels or Atkins hopefully both but at least one of them
1: back
0: Handicappers corner
1: Welcome to a new segment on the Unofficial Bengals Podcast, and this is called Handicapper's Corner. And every week, either myself or an expert's going to come in and give you guys three games of the week to pick if you're into betting and that sort of thing. Now, I just want to offer a disclaimer. I'm not encouraging people to bet. I think it's just a fun thing if you know how to do it in moderation like anything. And I guess the way you can gauge it is, you know, if you want to throw a few bucks on some games this weekend and you have the extra money... That's a healthy thing. If you're saying, wow, I need the Packers to cover to afford my electric bill, that's not quite a healthy thing. So just kind of analyze where you guys are at on that level. And if you're on the casual side, have fun with it. And if you're on the other side, you know, watch yourself. Be careful. It's a tough game out there. It's really tough to make a profit gambling. So with that said, here are my three picks of the week. I'll take the Bills minus six at the Dolphins. San Francisco minus seven at the Jets. And the Packers minus six at home against the Lions. These are the games that I'm betting. Bet at your own risk. I was one and two last week. I'm one and two on the season. Wish me luck. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a preview of the Eagles game. We're going to have the Grease Pole podcast come on to talk about the Eagles, as well as Tom McLeavy for another McLeavy Minute. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Great highlights set to some really cool music. Definitely something you guys got to check out. And I'd also like to shout out the network that I'm on, the Zedia Network. Zedia is the word media only with a Z, and you can find them at Zedia Network on Twitter and Instagram. They have a crazy roster of shows. They keep adding new shows. There's basketball, baseball, football, gambling, the Joshua Perry Show full of great interviews with high-profile guests. And the ZD Network sells merchandise on their website, www.zdnetwork.com. They have a really cool burrow hoodie on there as well. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life.
0: The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.